If you're listening to this podcast in the future, it's a hundred years from when it was recorded. You're some sort of alien race that has come across earth and you're trying to understand what happened to this place. And for some reason you think that this podcast would be important to listen to. I, I don't know why. I don't know why you think that, but like, I'm grateful for the downloads, I guess. Hello and welcome. Uh, this episode, just like the last episode, is being recorded during the time of COVID-19, the coronavirus, and how it's just having a fun time jumping all around the world. It's a real crazy time right now, uh, and so that's that's what's going on while this is being recorded. In the future, I don't know what it's like. I don't know if you have viruses uh, with your alien race. I don't know if you have ever had to be trapped in one of your, I don't know if you have apartments, like your little, your living pod and maybe you share a living pod with other people. And so it'd be, you know, it wouldn't be that bad to be trapped in there with them because you would have company, but maybe there's somebody that you know who'd be trapped in their little living pod by themselves. And maybe you think, oh man, that'd be terrible. I feel like I'd lose my mind. Yeah. Well, same. I live alone. I feel like I'm losing my mind, but I don't have to worry about that right now because I get to do this podcast. I love doing it. It's the Taylor Johnson podcast. I am Taylor Johnson. Got a great episode for you this week. But before we get to anything else, I want to check in with my friend, Glendon. And I, it's very important for me to do this because I, I need more human interactions. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Hey, Taylor. What's up, man? Oh, nothing much. I'm, I'm going to gain a lot of weight by the end of this thing. Oh, my goodness. It's getting bad out here, y'all, because I just want to eat food all the time. So, uh, I mean, does that go back to the fact that food is, is a comfort? Oh, yeah, 100%. Hey, also, because of what's happening in the world right now, the McDonald's app has some incredible deals going on. Really? Yes, and that, it's not good. And I feel like I shouldn't be sharing the information with anyone. I should be keeping this a secret so that like no one else falls in the same way that I am falling. Now, let's all go together. Last night, I got... They have a deal where if you buy a quarter pounder... Just the sandwich, you get a Big Mac for one penny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's bad. So I got that, that's, and then I got what? a medium fry and a large Dr. Pepper. Oh my. Did you eat both, both burgers last night? Yes. Oh my gosh. McDonald's food does not last. I can't save oh, it. I, well, you put a fry on the table, it'll be there 10 years from now. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm in I'm in big trouble. Yeah, you you are in big trouble. Uh, what are you doing to survive right now? To survive? Yeah, just make it through, you know. Yeah, you got I, kids I, in your house. I got kids in my house. They get on my nerves. <laughs> nah, they. I mean, I don't know. What am I doing? I think we've we've had a few conversations. It's just a weird state. Like, like I said, I I work from home, so it's my job to stay productive, right? It's my job to 
be creative and think and but it's just a weird like cloud i guess that's the best way to for me to describe it is like it's just like a cloud over my head you know and i don't know uh we did i facetimed my dad i facetimed you um i've done some writing i i did finish that that i told you i needed to finish Hey, there you go. There you go. So I finished that. And so I think that that's going to help me. So doing some writing and yeah, hanging out with the kiddos, like whenever they come out of their room. Um, But yeah, that's about it. Well, here we go with another week. Let's do it. Let's do this. We can do this. We can do this. We're more than capable. Oh, we got this, man. I mean, like, (sighs) hey, let's talk again next, next week. Let's find out how we're doing then. I have a feeling we're going to be doing okay. Okay, good. Let's see how many Big Macs I've eaten. No, Taylor, limit <laughs> yourself. Limit yourself. Or you're going to be needing to do a weight loss challenge before the marathon challenge. <laughs> All right, man. Oh, I'll Lord. talk to you later. All right. All All right. right. See you. Bye. Bye. Here's a little behind the scenes for you. Each segment of the podcast, I have a specific time limit in place that I try not to go over. So like uh, for the conversation with Glendon, I always try to keep it to five minutes. The interview, I try to keep that the 30 minutes. Uh, The little bit, the little segment at the end, I want that around 10 minutes. It can go over a little bit if it's necessary, but you probably didn't notice it because it would be weird if you were keeping track of time while you were listening, even before you knew about my time limit thing. The conversation with Glendon this week was only three and a half minutes and we actually recorded for a full 14 minutes, but I had to cut out a lot of it because I sound very sad <laughs> and low energy and just very beat down and defeated. And it was a bummer to listen to because, uh, honestly this last week with the whole being stuck in my apartment thing, I hit a wall. I was doing okay. I work from home. This isn't that bad, but man, oh man, something happened last week where I was losing it. I was losing my mind. In fact, uh, Glendon and I had a call scheduled for us to record. And when he called me, I was like, hey, uh, can we record another day? I'm not really feeling it right now. And he was like, oh, okay, yeah. And so we talked the next day and it was better than it would have been, but it still wasn't the best. And so my apologies to Glendon because I had to cut out a lot of that stuff. Uh, You, the listener, I don't know what you're dealing with right now. I don't know what you're going through. If this season is getting to you or maybe just in general, Right now is kind of a bummer. I hope that the interview in this week's episode is really beneficial for you. This week, I am talking to my mom, Gina Johnson, uh, the first returning guest. It's only seven episodes in, but I already have someone returning because this is a conversation I knew I wanted to have from the moment I started to plan the podcast. I wanted to talk to my mom about her experience watching her son talk about mental health on stage, specifically talking about, I talk about my own journey. I'm very honest about what I went through. And in me telling my story, I always make it clear that I went through all this stuff too scared to talk to anyone about it. 
So for the longest time, my parents had no idea that this was happening. So I wanted to hear what it's like for her to hear me talk about this stuff. And not just that, I wanted to hear her talk about her own experience dealing with her mental health. I'm very grateful for my mom for being very honest in this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Here is me and my mom, Gina Johnson. Um, well, I'm here again with my mother. Hello, mom. How are you? I'm good, Taylor. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. You've just started a podcast voice. Uh, you were on the first episode of my podcast and uh, you were a smash hit. Everyone complimented you so much to the point where I started to get offended. That it sounded like people wanted you to have a podcast more than they wanted me to have a podcast. I'm just happy to be a guest. A reoccurring guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how did you listen to the episode? Yes, I did. What was that like for you to hear yourself on the podcast? Well, I was really impressed with how smoothly everything went until you told me you did some editing. So that I was like, oh man, I guess I wasn't quite as eloquent as as I thought. But uh, no, I was I was happy that all the points I wanted to make did come across. Oh, okay. Well, good. Um, I want to talk to you today a little bit about, um, over the years I've talked about mental health on stage, um, starting out like in my standup a little bit and then into speaking and preaching, um, that that's kind of a, a big part of the reason why, uh, vulnerability has been so important to me. And I always talk about that, well, you know, from junior high and high school and into college, I didn't know how to deal with depression or anxiety. And I didn't even know that's what was happening to me. And so I was too scared to talk to anybody else about it. And, um, I know that I was very bad at, especially at the beginning, um, when I first started talking about certain like aspects of my mental health on stage, it was in my standup and it was before I had ever like dealt with it. Like where now, if I talk about something like that or if I make a joke about it or, you know, find a way to make it funny, it's because, okay, I've dealt with this. I'm not afraid of it. So I can joke about it. Whereas at the beginning, like the first thing that I ever did, it was a story that I told about, uh, a cop finding me in a parking lot late at night and he thought that I was doing something suspicious and he asked me, are you okay? And I just started like bawling. I just started crying super hard and I told it like, hey, this is a funny story. Haha, ha, isn't this funny that I cried in front of this cop? But like the first time I ever told that story ever to anyone was on stage and it was like, oh, if I can make this funny, then it's not, I don't have to deal with it. You know, like it was like the unhealthy way of using humor. Um, so I don't know. What do you what has it been like for you hearing me talk about some of this stuff on stage? Well, I remember the first time I heard that story because it was not just one police officer. Right. And when then several came. And, yeah. Yeah. At first, it was just me right. and one cop. And I was like, oh, this will be fine. Just me and him. And then a bunch of other cops showed up and they're all trying to talk me down as I am crying super hard. And I'm telling well, like, I'm so depressed. I'm really depressed. I remember being shocked that I was learning that from you being on stage, that as your mother, as your parent, that I did not know that that had happened to you. And it was 
shocking. But then when you told other stories that you know had more of a ser- even a more serious tone of thoughts of not just depression but thoughts of suicide as a parent I was I was devastated that I had no idea that you were dealing with that and that you were struggling with that and I had thoughts of oh my goodness I could have been one of those parents that had lost a child to suicide and I would have been just blindsided saying oh my goodness where did this come from and then as a parent you start feeling how could I miss that? Why Why did I not know that that was happening? When I thought as a mom, I thought I was always talking to you, but you were harder to, t- you were harder to get information out of. You know, you, if I would ask you a question, it would just be usually yes, no, you know, you, you did not easily relinquish details. Yeah. So yeah, it was very concerning, but I'm so grateful that Nothing bad happened, but it could have. Yeah. That it didn't, you know, go down that path, you know, further than me just kind of dealing with it on my own. Right. Um, And I think that's just a message to all parents. Don't assume that everything's okay. Still keep finding a way to get your child to open up to you, or if not to you, See if they'll open up to someone else that they can trust and not that. But no, I mean, no, I did. That just reminded me of this is kind of separate, but I remember when I was in uh, junior high going into high school. I I think it was, I guess it must have been junior high, and I had really bad grades, and uh, which was very common. Well, yeah, yeah, I I, uh, talked to, I had to go see the counselor at my school about how bad my grades were. And uh, she was like, you know, if you keep these bad grades up, you're not going to be able to get into college. And I was like, I don't want to go to college. And she was like freaked out by it. And then she tattled to you and you wanted me to go to college. So you got the children's pastor of the church and the youth pastor of the church, who was Glendon, who did not go to college to talk to me about going to college. And Glendon was like, I don't don't know, I guess. Yes, a double team, because I knew you thought a lot of Ross. And I thought, let me, you know, use that. Um, but now I think we also realize that you probably needed ADD medicine. Oh yeah, that would have helped you. And again, a- as a parent, you start feeling like, oh my goodness, why didn't I pick up on that to know that you know I would have had no problem with you having medication that would have helped you to concentrate and and so you know you were in trouble a lot over grades. And oh yeah, now from- I realize it was. Beyond your control. From, oh, thank you. Well, I mean, there was uh, there was a lot that was on my control. I just lied all the time, too. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and I've told- And they were terrible lies. Well, and I've told people many times, it was a good thing you had two parents growing up because there were times where I just wanted to kill you. I just wanted to kill you dead. I was just at the end of my rope. And then your dad would say, well, you know, my grades weren't the best. You know, I got a lot of C's and I didn't have really good grades in- in school, and then the next time it'd be your dad who would want to kill you, and then I'd go, "Well, now wait a minute, let's not." Oh, good. You know. So good. It thing- just naturally went into good cop, bad cop. Well, it just it alternated. You know, one of us would have been fed up with the situation at a time, and because you, yeah, you did. I, you would be asked straight out, "Did you turn that in?" Oh, yes, yes, I turned that in, and then check <laughs> with the teachers. Like, no, I never got that homework paper. Uh, there was one teacher in particular, my German teacher, who. Um, 
I would do that for weeks at a time. And then finally I would like copy off of somebody. I cheated my way through German. I'm sorry to all the youth who are listening to this, uh, but uh, I cheated all the way through German. It was the worst class. It was very difficult. And um, I would f finish an assignment way, way, way late. And then I would just sneak it onto her desk, you know, into a pile of papers so that she would be like, oh, I guess this was, I shouldn't do the accent. Uh, just, oh, I guess this was here. And then every once in a while I would, I would get a good grade. Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was. <laughs> it was. We have never talked about this. I mean, yes, it would just be... I, I was hoping at times that you would be restricted from doing theater because I knew that was the one thing that you really yeah. wanted and liked. And I thought... Maybe if his grade dips below, they'll tell him, well, now you can't be in this play. They did. Uh, there was one play in high school. I, I wasn't allowed to be in Twelfth Night. Um, that was the fall play that I couldn't be in because of my grades were so bad. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, my grades were terrible from like fifth grade through college, through senior year of college. Um, and and it was it was crazy when I figured out what was happening. Um, which was way outside of college. Like I had graduated several years earlier and I, um, I took Adderall and it was like, oh, this is how your brain is supposed to work. Like sitting down to do work, like even for a friend of mine who has a company that I was doing ministry resources for, I was always turning stuff in really late to him because just sitting down to write, like I would lose my mind. And it wasn't like, the way that people talk about ADD is like, oh, I'm talking to you, oh, look, a squirrel, oh, look, this, oh, and it's just like, I'm distracted by this and that. But like for me, it was, there is a fog in my brain and I know there's a thought over there and I can't see it and I can't get to it because of this fog. And the first time I took Adderall, it was like, oh, the fog is lifted and I feel normal. But I feel like th it's, it's kind of a, a parallel thing with depression where I don't think when I was growing up, there was much language for understanding this problem. Like when I was growing up, the way that people talked about Adderall is that's what lazy parents give to their hyper children. children and, yeah. and it's kind of dismissed as like, this is not actually legitimate. And so I never even thought that that could be a possibility of what was happening to me. And the same with depression, where like I remember being in sixth grade or something and there was a choir concert, a Christmas choir concert. And I stood on stage, I had to keep puffing my cheeks out and I didn't sing once, I had to keep puffing my cheeks out to stop myself from crying because I just felt, so, and I didn't know why I felt bad, and when we got home, both you and dad were like, what do you do? What, what happened? What are you doing up there? Why are you, why are you acting like that? But it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was saying, oh, I'm depressed. And you were like, no, you're not. But like, I didn't know what it was right. and you didn't know what it was either. Yeah. And that's what's the challenge in an adolescent child is they can't articulate what they're feeling. And yet as a parent, you don't know what it is. So you assume, well, you're just, you know, you were just pouting that you were up there or whatever. And and that's a shame because, again, there was another missed opportunity that you couldn't articulate what was going on and we didn't really capture it or we kind of dismissed it. So it makes, it makes the parent feel, for me, it makes me feel very bad that 
you had to struggle with things that weren't recognized, that maybe if we would have talked to the right doctor or we'd have said, you know, something, you could have had assistance much earlier than what you did. But I, I feel like it, it's such a difficult balance, even like, okay, as we are recording this right now, it is during the coronavirus pandemic around the world. And there's that, like, how do you find the balance between you don't want to overreact and be constantly freaking out about everything. And you also don't want to be dismissing the reality of what's going on because I feel like as a parent, that must be a similar thing to find the balance between of like, oh my goodness, my kid is terrible, everything's wrong, or no, 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 suck it up, suck it up. Like finding the balance of being able to see what's really going on. That's yes. got to be so hard. Yes. Yes, I think you're right. And I think that, you know, Unfortunately, kids don't come with a book. And so you parent based on how you were raised. And I feel like I was raised by great parents. And so, you know, you just use that as your foundation to say, okay, now that's how I'll be a parent. Now, you were somewhat of a surprise to me because I was raised with a sister. Oh, I thought you just scared me. I was like, I wasn't playing. You were a surprise. You were a complete mistake. What? (laughs) I had no brothers, but then, you know, I had... Heather for five years before you came along. So again, a little girl I was used to because I had been a little girl myself. So boys were different. And in very many pleasant ways, boys were different. But I didn't know how to get you to talk. Heather was a little bit easier, you know. If she was crying about something or pouting about something, eventually I could get her to talk about it. Whereas you, like I said, it was like trying to pull pull something out of you. And, you know, I think, and like I said, I think the challenge also is you couldn't always describe what it was. Um, so uh, going back to, um, you know, mental health and, and what I talked about on stage, I remember the first time that I ever talked to you about what was going on with me. Um, it was, uh, over a summer and, Um, I had just talked to a friend of mine about mental health and their mental health and the way that they described it. And because of just like, they just seemed like a normal average person and they talked about the medication that they take and what they had experienced. And it was the first time that it felt like, oh, this might actually be what I'm going through also. Um, that it's not, I don't know, because I feel like a lot of times you would think of like only the most extreme cases are the ones who are dealing with this or who need this kind of help or whatever. And this is the first time it felt like this could be, oh, that could be me. And eventually realizing from talking to them like, oh, I think this really is. And so I called you and I said, I think I want to go to a doctor to see if I would get diagnosed with depression. And you asked... Um, why do you think that? And then I told you about what I had been feeling and what I've been going through. And do you remember what you had talked about when you answered me? I think I finally shared with you that I had been on a mild antidepressant uh, anxiety pill at one point. And then you were like, mom, why didn't you ever tell me? Because then I wouldn't have felt, I could have felt like, oh, then this was more normal. And I had to own up and say there was a, I was kind of embarrassed that, you know, because I have a very outgoing personality. I've never met a stranger. I can talk to anybody. And I thought people will think, Gina, you, 
But I remember, this is when we were still in St. Louis, going to the doctor because I just felt overwhelmed and I, I felt like my heart was racing. In fact, I wore a heart monitor for 24 or 48 hours. From the doctor? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Just to, just to, to see what was, you know, what was going on. And there was that, I, I felt like my heart was racing, but it really wasn't. The monitor was showing that everything was normal. But I remember being in the doctor's office and the nurse came in and was just, you know, doing some chit chat and all of a sudden I'm in tears. And she's like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? Why am I crying? There's nothing to be, there's nothing wrong. So... Yes, he put me on, you know, something, and I just, you know, only your dad knew, you know. So I just felt like, oh, I didn't have a good understanding of depression. I was one of those people that thought, well, you just just get over it. My goodness, just put, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and get over it. Until I experienced it for myself initially when you were born. <laughs> I had postpartum depression, the baby blues, they would call it, significantly. Did anyone warn you about it, like that this would be a possibility? You know, I had heard about it, but I, you know, I didn't experience it with Heather. So I thought, well, I, you know, but when you came along, I think the difference was. Your dad was very solid. You know, he was older. He was an experienced father. And I don't know if I just let down or... Now, I also don't handle sleep deprivation very well. So I remembered in the middle of being exhausted and I guess hormones just being all out of balance and everything. And I remember feeling so overwhelmed. And usually it was in the middle of the night, you know, uh, if you're awake at two o'clock in the morning and nobody else in the world is awake, everybody else is sleeping and you're the only one awake in the world, it felt like. And I remember having feelings of, I can't do this anymore. And I thought, I'm just, I'm just going to take my life. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I just got to get away from this. And then I had the thought, oh no, that would be awfully selfish, you know, um, Alan would be left with the children without me, and that is so selfish. I then realized that we had a gas stove in the kitchen, and I thought, you know, I can just go turn that on and leave the oven door open, and then everybody, all four of us, will just die peacefully in our sleep. And that was that was that seemed much more uh, equitable. That seemed like a better thing than just you know leaving just myself. So luckily, there was a part of my brain that said, now, you know you can't do that, the rational side of me, I guess. But the other side said, it's awfully tempting. And then the one side of my brain said, now, you really need to talk to Alan about this. And the other side said, are you kidding? You've only been married for a year. He's going to think he's married a nut. So I did not say anything to him. And that was the wrong thing to do. But there was a part of me that was scared, thinking he is going to run away from this crazy person. And so I did. And when I finally did tell him, he was like, oh, my goodness, you know, why didn't you tell me? I would have. And that's that's the, and that's what's bad about our society's view of mental health. If someone had cancer, you would share it with everyone because you'd want everyone to be on the lookout for. Have you heard about a cure or a clinical trial or something? But there's a stigma to mental health, mental illness that everyone says, oh, oh let's not talk about that because that just, you know. It's it's a taboo subject. So when you are lay, lying in bed, you're having this thought, like what, do, do you just kind of like 
fight through the postpartum the rest of the time? Like, are you just, do you eventually tell dad, like once it's finally gone and you're like, Hey, did you know that when I had Taylor, you just kind of grin and bear it as it was happening? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, because I think I convinced myself part of this is exhaustion. You know, as soon as he starts sleeping through the night, it'll be better. And um, so it wasn't too far from, I mean, it wasn't like I waited years to tell him, but right. I, I also waited till I think I was past having those thoughts because I didn't want him to also sleep with one eye open yeah, yeah. and think, oh my goodness. But, you know, it's one of those things that, again, now I realize and my message to everyone would be, tell someone, just like in your book, you've got to be vulnerable to someone. And if you do, you'll find out that there are other people that will then assure you that it's more normal than you think. Yeah. And and so was you getting medication? That, would that take place after I was born? Um. So yes, then the other thing came later. I mean, I think I was feeling the pressure of you know, full-time working wife and mother with two kids. And there was always something that I had to be remembering. Your dad would tease me, but because it would be like, it'd be one thing. It'd be like, Taylor needs a new pencil. Oh my gosh. And I would just be, you know, and he'd say, Gina, it's only a pencil. But I'd say, wait a minute. As this full-time wife and mother, I am remembering everything. I'm remembering when everyone has to go to the pediatrician, when they have to go to the orthodontist, and I have to remember when their shots are due, and I have to remember that they need this for school and that for church, and all of that just had to be in my head, and I think there were just times where that was overwhelming. But you also like, you like, not to be overwhelmed, but to, you like a little chaos. I, I like busyness. I like lots of things to do. But there can be a time then when it's a tipping point where that's too much. Yeah. Or what I've learned about myself also is I feel like I like running on adrenaline, but adrenaline is a limited resource. Right. And when it's gone, you hit the wall like a crash. And I think that, you know, if you have a chemical imbalance. All right. So the thing that I learned, having experienced it myself it wasn't something that I had a choice over. There was a chemical imbalance within me, whether it was hormones or whatever it was, that I couldn't help. It's not like I could, you know, work my way out of it until that got, you know, equaled out. That then gave me a true appreciation for people that had depression and things because many times it can be a chemical imbalance or something that is within them that they cannot control. So it's not just a get over it and pick right. yourself up. Uh, when did you or have you talked, like, does grandma know about you being on medication, you taking medication or your postpartum depression? Have you talked to our family about it? Does anyone know? I think so, because I think I've been fairly open with folks just to say, in case other people felt like I did, that, you know, this kind of a haughty, you know, if you've not experienced depression, you just don't have any sympathy, empathy about it. So I think I have shared it just so that other people can understand, oh, you know, I shouldn't be so, you know, cavalier about it and dismissive of it, I guess, is the is the thing, too. Because just like in your book, if you don't open up, you know, about something, 
you just don't know if that other person needs to know that, oh my goodness, I've been keeping it quiet too. I've been keeping it a secret. And now I know it's okay to say, because you had someone who opened up with you that was a real turning point for your life. And that's why I think it's important then for all of us to do that so that that somebody else says, oh my goodness, I, I had no idea. You know, I think when, well, I won't, I think men and women, everyone needs to know that it's okay. You know, you, you don't know c- certain things in your life until you're there. You know, women go through menopause. And if you don't talk to other women about, hey, I'm ex- ex- experiencing this and they go, oh, well, I am too. That's, that's normal. Everybody does that. You know, I think there's a comfort then in knowing that you're not the only one going through that. Was there, was there anything about menopause? What caught you off guard about menopause? That isn't too weird to tell me about. <laughs> I immediately regret asking this no, question. No, no, no. A hot flash. I had heard about what hot flashes were, and I've seen women fanning themselves and things like that. But when I experienced it, it was like being hot from the inside out. Oh. And it was like, throw the covers off and, you know, everything. And then gradually, once you start cooling off, your poor dad one time just lovingly put his hand like on my leg and it while we were in bed together. And I was like, oh, my goodness, dad, you're making me hot. They it felt like a branding iron. I said, I'm sorry, you're going to not, you can't touch me. You can't get anywhere near me. There's no cuddling and I'm just too hot. But that was strange to be hot from the inside out. Okay. A question for you. Uh-oh. Do you think, do you remember me ever trying to ask you, you know, what was going on with you? Or do you think, is there anything I could have said to you that would have helped you to open up or you never would have? I'm, I, I think I think if I had known about um, your postpartum and, and that you had taken medication mm-hmm. because I, I I think like the thing of like I don't know anyone who has done that I don't even know how my family would feel about that you know but I don't think I even at that point of junior high and high school had the language to know that that's what was happening to me. And so I guess maybe if if I had heard those stories, then maybe it would have been easier for me to be able to tell like, oh, that's that's that might be what this is. All right. So that's a good message for parents. Then be transparent with your children at the right age appropriateness, I guess, just so that they know that it's okay. I mean, the one thing I remember saying to you and Heather was, I always wanted you to be able to come to me and ask me any question, and I would never dismiss you. I would never say you're not old enough to know that information, that anything you wanted to know, I would answer. Because I remember being frustrated asking my mom questions that she just, you know, ne- would never would never answer. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's got to be about one topic. Yes. <laughs> What kind of, how old are you? You're going to your mom and you're like, please, mama, tell me. No, because everyone has those health classes where they learn that, you know, girls have this and boys have that. Well, I wanted to know how did that get to that? And I remember. What? (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. So you you had questions about anatomy? No, just the physicalness, you know, again. Of just how how, sex works? Or how, how a baby was made. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So. I remember your grandmother was making me a ponytail and she's combing my hair. And so, you know, I must be about, 
I don't know, whatever age they have those talks in fourth grade or something like that, you know. And I keep asking, how, how does, you know, the boy's part get to the girl's part to make that? And I mean, she just started making that ponytail tighter and tighter. <laughs> and finally, my eyes were being pulled back. And I thought, I, I better just quit asking because otherwise I'm not going to have any hair left. And I found that very frustrating that she just wouldn't answer my question. So I remember as a parent telling you and Heather both, anything you ask, I will answer. Because uh, yeah. I remember that frustration as a child. I guess I felt, did Heather ask questions? Yes. See, I didn't, I always felt, because you would say that to me and I'd be like, well, I, don't even, I don't know what I'm supposed to ask. I don't, I don't know. What, do, no. what am I supposed to know? I don't know what I'm supposed to know. And I think I remember saying to you now, you know, Taylor, you can ask me any question, but you know, if you have certain questions, we're going to have to go to your father because I don't have that equipment, you know? Right. So. Um, yeah, because dad never had the sex talk with me. And I tried to encourage him to do so, and somehow he just couldn't get comfortable with that. So, yeah. Oh, well, okay. Um, I have some questions. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's funny because, I mean, I feel like we've always been very open and, like, to talk about things. Um, but I, do, I guess just... Yeah, because that was not a topic and I'm not blaming you. I mean, like, because like culture, like it was not that wasn't a thing back then of talk to your kid about mental health. Like that was not treated as if that's something that anyone and everyone could be dealing with. So it, it's not like I don't know. It's not like that was normal for people to talk about that stuff. Right. But when I think of the potential tragedy that could have happened or knowing that there are other Christian parents out there, you know, who's the preacher out in California who's, son, yeah. you know, Oh, Rick Warren, yes. Rick Warren's son passed away from a suicide. Right. So when I think of the tragedy that other parents have done and there might not have been anything that would have, you know, have stopped it, but just how scary that is to think that I feel like, you know, your dad and I were, Naive's not the right word, just totally in the dark, knowing what you were going through, yeah. that you had those thoughts and things and that we were oblivious and had no idea. And what a tragedy that would have been to find that out and then to go, I mean, we would have blamed ourselves. And I don't know how parents get over that. That would have been such a tragedy. Yeah. Well, I feel like you have done such a great job now with talking to me and and the amount that you've talked to other people. And I know of a few st stories of people who might not have someone close to them who takes what they're going through seriously, but you have been able to talk to them and to help them. And so, I don't know. I don't want, I wouldn't want you to think to like beat yourself up when I talk about that stuff on stage because my willingness to talk about it now is 100% because of you and because of dad. Well, then hopefully that's the good thing that came out of it then is that instead of it going a very tragic way because that happened, hopefully then 
you know, your story, my story can all help people out there. Because the one thing I try to share with people now, people that, you know, get to know me is I am an open book. You can ask me anything and I will tell you because I really think that is a way that other people can be helped because I think a lot of people sit there and think, well, I can't, I can't tell anybody that. And, you know, and I think it's so important for someone else, like your book says, to know that you're not the only one that has traveled that path. Or that story that you tell about where the friend jumps in the hole with the guy and said, hey, I've been here before and I know the way out. That is very comforting to know that you don't have to deal with something alone. If you'll just open up a little bit, you know, and maybe find someone like myself who will be the open book and and not be, you know, judgmental because we've all had things that we have dealt with. And if we share that, then it'll make it more normal for other people. Right. And now, returning to the podcast is my friend Laban Massey. Laban is just as awkward and uncomfortable in social situations as I am. We are both real big overthinkers with every social interaction, no matter how inconsequential it is. When we come together, we try to help each other out, bringing different scenarios and situations that could get awkward, because maybe if we both figure it out together, we could come up with a way for it not to be as terrible as we think it is in our brain. This week, Laban brings a scenario to me to see if I can help him role play and figure out a way to navigate it. So here is me and Laban Massey. I feel like my my situations that I'm gonna give to you are very specific to me, so I don't know how okay. how hard. But if they aren't hard for you, then they will be very difficult for me. So I need. Oh no! I, okay. This is not a very complicated one. I just need to know when you go to like a restaurant and you have a waiter, but the waiter is someone that you know. I know this doesn't sound, but it's also someone that you're not that close with, but you just kind of know from like like a third party is how you know them. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that situation? What? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, what What in your mind, what's the hardest part about this to you? Okay, so I'll tell a little story. So the first first date that I went on with my now fiancé, I knew the waiter. Which, Where was, where'd you guys go to eat? Applebee's, the neighborhood grill, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we went there. And I did you go there for half price apps? Just normal. We probably went there like probably an hour before we could get half price apps. So it was a, it was not a good date. But as soon as we got there, I no, it was a great, it was a good date. But like, wow, no, it sounds like this date sucked, (laughs) and it was your fault. Yes, because I wasn't prepared for the half price apps, obviously. But okay, so you go there. Yes, so I know the I know the waiter. And I'm like immediately make it awkward where it's like I could like I think I like I try to make a joke. So like I know him and I say. But you don't know him that well. I know him like pretty well. I should say like I. Grew- it's your brother. Yeah, it's my brother. <laughs> I, I should say actually I know him well. Like I went to church with him. 
There we go. Like, I went to church with him. So I knew him well. Like, we grew up together. But, like, I hadn't, okay. I hadn't seen him in, like, probably a year and a half at this point. Maybe even two uh, years. Okay, okay. So he comes up to the table, and I, like, I try to make a joke where it's like, hey, it's an honor that you're a waiter tonight. But it sounded so, like, actually sincere. <laughs> <laughs> But oh, it was no. just a joke. Like, I was just trying to make a joke. Like, man, it's just an honor. Like, this is our first day. It's an honor. But it was like, I said it in like, it's an honor. That you, you started were... to cry. Yeah. You got choked <laughs> up. I wanted to say, I'm so proud of you. And this situation only got more awkward when the waiter's mom came to the restaurant as well and sat, oh. and sat directly, like, in the side of the booth that me and my fiance were in. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, so, like... My back was to them. They were in the booth behind us. That's a better oh, way of okay, describing okay, okay. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she, of course, like made a joke because she, she saw I was on a date of like how she knew when I was born and held me when I was a baby. Wow. So everything just went like, and I don't know, I don't know how to. That's another awkward situation where someone is like, I remember when you were a baby, and it's just like, cool. I do not. So <laughs> there was a lady at my home church who, for a while there, I'm sure it would still happen if I were to go back and visit, or anytime I have gone back and visited. There's a lady. She's an older lady, and every time she sees me, she says the exact same speech, which is basically. When you were when you were younger, we were so worried that you would never hit a growth spurt because you were so small for so long. We thought you'd never grow. But look at you now. Look how tall you are you now. Grew. Wow. Basically, like we thought that puberty had forgotten about you, and the whole church was talking about it. The and now church. we're so proud of you that you get a little stubble on your face, and you're a lot taller than you were because you were a little child man for a very long time. And I'm like, thank you for the same speech. Yeah. We were so- every time you see me. <laughs> We were so nervous that you weren't going to do a normal human thing that all of yeah. us have done. <laughs> we had gathered together as a church, everyone except for you, to pray for you because we were so freaked out by how small and childlike you were, even into high school. You remember that one Sunday where we said church was canceled? It was not canceled. <laughs> we had church without you. We had Taylor Church, and it was... We prayed for th- puberty. Yeah. Um, okay, so okay, the situation is: it, does it have to be like a date, can it, or just like any any meal? Any where meal. you kind of know the waiter. Yeah, and it can be like you know them pretty well, but it's like I think it has to be like either you don't know them very well, or you have not like talked to them in quite a while. So like, yeah, there's no like, there's no real connection. There's like a connection, but like, I don't know how to explain it, but. You get it. You understand what I'm saying, obviously. But don't don't you just like you just catch up a little bit, like just like act norm, like oh hey, how's it going, man? That would be the normal reaction to that situation. Just a little bit of surprise, but like pleasant surprise, like oh hey, hey yeah, how's it going? Oh yeah, oh that's so cool. Ah oh, man, yeah. See, I th- yeah, we're just here hanging out. We're just uh, yeah. Can we get um? Oh, but that's weird. The transition from like, yes, we're just friends. We're just talking to and now, serve like, me. <laughs> if they're yeah, if if they don't bring it up, if they don't make the transition from I'm your friend to now I'm your waiter, because I feel like that's a sign of a good waiter. Yes. I'm like, I'm just your pal. I'm just here hanging out. Anyways, what, what were you guys thinking about getting? That's it's on them. Yeah, if they don't handle that well, then you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's their responsibility. I just immediately blame them. That's the best thing. To do. It's your fault that this. But it, but it, but they're they're in charge of taking care of you, making sure that your experience is good. Yeah, they're the one who has to navigate. They're the one who comes over like, oh, you need another refill? That's what they're supposed to do. Yes. But that's why it sucks when you're like, well, can I get more? <laughs> and you have to always be like that because there's this unspoken thing that when you come to this restaurant, it's because you're so needy and you cannot do anything by, for yourself because yeah. you're a little baby person and you could be at home cooking for yourself. But tonight you want to live like a king and be served by someone. And so it's their job to, to take away the responsibility on you because you, you don't want to like fully be an emperor and like feed me grapes, but they're just supposed to know that that's what you want. And they're supposed to ask. That's what you want and do all of the work for you. Wow. Restaurants are weird. And when I describe it like that, restaurants are real weird. They're not fun. And there's also that there's also (laughs) they're bad. Let's uh, we need to get rid of them. We can make our own food. (laughs) No more restaurants. Just go home. And there's also that weird transition between like, because I think if like, if you see someone that, you know, and you catch up real fast. It's very much in passing where it's like, hey, how you doing? You doing good? All right. And it's like, I'm going to go my way. You go your way. And if like you're both at the restaurant, like you're both eating there, that's fine because you'll sit in separate spots and like maybe you'll run into each other at the end and say bye. But in this situation, there's no passing by. They're coming back multiple times to serve yeah. you. So there's no goodbye. There's like a... There's a forever hello. (laughs) (laughs) No, being a server is the great forever hello. Yeah, you just never, you just have to be there the whole time. Okay, but so how do we fix this situation? How do we, the responsibility of the transition from friendly, we're just get, we're just catching up to professional. You can't do that. I can't do that. Like, no. uh, let's try. Okay. You, you're the waiter. Okay. I'm me. I'm going to see if I can handle that transition from we're just catching up to now serve me. Let's see if I can do it. I don't think I can. Okay. How well do I know um, you as the waiter? Like, what's our connection? Uh, the connection is, boy, well, this is going to be hard for me because I don't know anybody that I should know. That's another <laughs> thing that I was going to bring up is that there are a lot of people who know who I am and I should know who they are but I don't, but I can see it on their face that I should know. And so I can just kind of play along. Yeah. And that's what I do in most situations. Hey, and just you. Like, <laughs> I, I should know who this person is. So just treat them like you do know who they are and just be like, what's up? How's it going? Okay. I shouldn't have admitted that. I <laughs> no, it's okay. This is, an, this is a, uh, this is an open zone. You can say whatever you want. I mean, who's going to even, who's going to hear that? The listeners? Someone. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I hope somebody yeah. hears it. But now my fear is I'm going to go to Applebee's and someone's going to be like, hey, Taylor. And be like, hey. And they're going to be like, what's my name? Say my name. <laughs> I listen to and, the podcast. I know. And then I'm going to have to I'm going to have to run away. OK. All right. So, OK. okay you're so the, waiter. I'm the waiter. OK. I'm me. Um, we we we've big, we've kind of known each other, um, but we haven't seen each other in like a year. We went to college together. OK. All right. All right. So I'm I'm walking up. I got my. OK. Hey guys, uh, if you want to try the fried pickles tonight, we can go. We have those for sale, or what? no? We're gonna start this over. Nothing is for sale at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, uh, what? that's so we're weird. Doing, we're no, wait, you think? Wait, are you not gonna recognize me? No, I'm like, I'm gonna make it so like I'm looking at my thing and then I look up and I see you. So like I'm focused oh, wow. on my job okay. first and then I'll see you. Okay, so 
Wait, what kind of waiter doesn't look at any of the people this when they is, first start serving? In a hypothetical situation, this is like a cartoon or a show. No, this, this feels like a meet cute in a Hallmark movie. Like, <laughs> no, you're right. I'm the New York exec who's like, come back to the hometown, and you're the waiter who we used to be close, and like, you're looking down, and then you look up and see me, and then it's like, Ted, you're back for the parade. <laughs> And okay. I'm like, oh, Susan. All right, I'll make it more natural. Okay, so. Okay, I'll okay, okay. Right. Oh, hey, Taylor. Hey, 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 how's it going? Hey, uh, here are your menus. Yeah, you, uh, thanks, man. Dude, how have you been? Good. I mean, obviously just working at Applebee's now, just trying to pay those those bills, you know. Uh, like that's that. awesome, man. Yeah. Um, you, have you been working here for very long? Uh, about, about two months now, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so... That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm just in town, uh, just hanging out for the weekend, uh, seeing family, and and uh, yeah, dude. That's cool. That's cool to run into you. Yeah. What's my name? <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, what do you? What would you like to drink? Oh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, you can just oh, you just look at the name tag. It's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of restaurants that have name tags and some that don't. But see, yeah, you have to make the transition. Yes, I can't do it. That is that is true. The for, the long the forever hello. Yeah. Because in any other conversation, my mom does this so well. I'm so impressed with my mom on a phone call with me or with anybody. She will say, "Well, I'm gonna let you go," which is perfect because really, what she's saying is, "I want to go." Yeah. But she's making it seem like she's doing you a favor. Yeah. I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna. Hey, I'm gonna do this for you. I know that. <laughs> I want to be here forever, but I know that you've got stuff to do, so I'm going to let you go. What a boss move. There's no way of doing that at a, to a waiter. Well, I'm going to let you get back to work. Well, you could. Yes, that's it. Hey, man, I don't want to keep you, dude. I, I know you got other tables, but it's great seeing you. But then that, what if they say, like, no, that you're my only table, and they just stand there. Oh, <laughs> awesome, dude. Sweet. Also, you're going to introduce me to your date? Uh, this is, um, no, I'm not. Okay. Get away from us. <laughs> All right, I'll go get the chips then, I guess. There are ways to handle it, but not ways that are either like, there's no way of handling it from your side without accidentally letting out the unspoken thing that you are a king when you're at a restaurant. Yeah. There's no way of doing it without acting like the king that you feel like you are when you're at a restaurant surrounded by your servants. Because you just want to drop like a silence and then <laughs> I will take the chicken strips. Enough of this chit chat. <laughs> Bring forth the nachos. <laughs> I want to thank my mom, Gina Johnson, for being on the podcast and for being as open and honest in our conversation as she was. I really hope you enjoyed that. 
I want to thank Laban Massey for coming on again. If you want to check out Laban's podcast that he does with his brothers, it's called The Good Brothers Show, and it's on Stitcher, Apple, and Spotify. Go check that out. Again, thank you to Glendon. I'm sorry I cut our conversation short because I really was a bummer the rest of the time. If you enjoy the podcast and you want to talk to other people who enjoy it and talk to some of the people who were on the podcast, you got to come and check out our Discord server. Download the Discord app or get it on your computer. Uh, go to taylorjohnsononline.com slash discord. And it's basically a private chat room server just for us to talk and goof around together. I'm on there. Glendon's on there. My mom just joined this last week. And so there's a section where you can just like talk about general stuff. There's also a part where you can talk specifically about this week's episode. And so if you have any questions for my mom, I'm pretty sure she's going to be hanging out there this week. So you can go in there and ask her questions because honestly, right now her work is really slow and I think she's really looking for something to do. So uh, that'd be good. So you should go do that. Join the discord at taylorjohnsononline.com slash discord to join our private server. Also, again, you want to run the Disney marathon with us. You want to raise a bunch of money for a suicide prevention charity. You want more information about how we can all do this together. Go to taylorjohnsononline.com slash Disney run 21. That's the numbers two, one. Fill it out, the little form there, and I'll send an email with information here pretty, pretty soon. Look, folks, we've come to the end of the episode. We're almost out of here. I want to thank Lucky Star and Jordan Combs for the use of their songs in the episode. I want to thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Tell someone about it. And not just that, during this time, if you're listening to this like the year the podcast came out, the month, the week the podcast came out. Hey, just check in on people. Just see how people are doing. You don't have to make a big deal about it or say anything weird. Just, just think of five people, one person for each day of the week, not even a full week. Take the weekends off. I don't care who are five people that you can intentionally just like reach out and just start a conversation with just checking in on them. That'd be really, don't everyone check in on me now. Oh, that'd be so annoying every day. A hundred people. I, I don't have a hundred friends, whatever. I, I, I've got a couple of people who check on on me, so you don't have to worry about me, but, but, but worry about other people. Cause uh, we're, we all gotta, we all gotta get through this thing together. And if you're listening to this a hundred years in the future and you're an alien race uh, and you've come to earth, um, do you have, uh, God <laughs> that that is the number one if I ever met an alien that would be my first question is do you have a God that you worship and did he, do you have a Jesus I don't know I'd be very confused that'd be my first question do you have a God that's what I would ask you didn't ask you didn't care all right I'm done thank you for listening that's it I'll see you next time